Welcome to The Drive with Josh Downs, a faith-based coaching podcast where I'll share weekly thoughts, principles, insights, and more, all designed to help you build a better self, to better love yourself, so that you can better become all you were meant to be. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Drive Podcast. I'm Josh Downs, and happy 4th of July, soon to be, everybody, with tomorrow being the 4th. I know this past weekend there were a lot of pictures of fun things that people were doing with friends and family, a lot of fireworks going on. It's just one of my favorite times of year to, to get together with friends and family and barbecue and really celebrate our freedom. So let me begin by just saying happy 4th of July in advance, everyone. I hope this week ends up being a wonderful week for you as you take a moment and just enjoy, right? Slow down and, and enjoy time with family and friends and celebrating the, the beautiful freedoms that we enjoy in the country that we love. Well, I wanted to put something together this week that would, I don't know, tie in with all of that, that uh, that's going on that uh, we'll be celebrating. And I was reminded there's a movie coming out that I'm sure many of you have heard of. There have been a lot of advertisements for it in social media and other places. It's called The Sound of Freedom. Uh, and it tells the real life story behind Tim Ballard and the Underground Railroad Foundation, uh, a foundation and an effort that's dedicated towards the rescuing of children from child trafficking. The name of the foundation is actually Operation Underground Railroad, and its name was chosen because of its similarities between the events surrounding the original Underground Railroad, which was a network of individuals and houses that would provide secret passage and really a means of escape for those individuals and families that were trying to get free and find their freedom from slavery. And that's exactly what Tim Ballard has set out to do with Operation Underground Railroad, but in bringing freedom to those children who are caught up in the terrible atrocities associated with child trafficking. I know for me personally, I don't even like to think about these kinds of things going on in the world that we live in, but clearly they do, and they seem to be only getting worse. And so I'm excited to see this movie to better learn about this story, to better recognize the dark forces and evil forces really that are in play behind all this, and to better learn what I can do to help support the effort and every effort to keep our children safe. I have tickets to actually see the show today at 3.30, so I'll make sure to report back to you my thoughts on it. I know that Angel Studios is behind its production. It's the studio uh, that is also behind The Chosen and several other faith-based movies and series. And so I'm confident that although it's about a very dark subject and, and dark side of humanity, that it will be handled in a very sensitive way and, and hopefully will leave us with a message of hope and an inspiration to help. And as I thought about the release of this movie this week and in kind of connection with the 4th of July holiday as well, that I would share a few thoughts maybe behind the origin of this story and a few principles from it to help each of us have a greater impact on the lives of the children that we come across in our lives. I've read quite a bit about the foundation itself, about Tim Ballard's story, and about how it all came to be and get started. And really, there's no better place to understand all of it than at the beginning and to see how this movement came into like, to, to being. I remember a quote that I heard many years ago from F.W. Borham. He was speaking of the events during the Napoleonic Wars in the early part of the 19th century, but he said something very interesting, really about the way that God goes about fighting the battles against darkness that exists in our world. 
He said, men were following with bated breath the march of Napoleon and waiting with feverish impatience for the latest news of the wars. And all the while in their own homes, babies were being born. But who could think about babies? Everybody was thinking about battles. In one year between Trafalgar and Waterloo, there stole into the world a host of heroes. In 1809, Gladstone was born at Liverpool. Alfred Tennyson was born at the Summersby Rectory. Oliver Wendell Holmes made his first appearance at Massachusetts, and Abraham Lincoln drew his first breath at Old Kentucky. Music was enriched by the advent of Friedrich Choplin at Warsaw and Felix Mandelosin at Hamburg. Elizabeth Barrett Browning was born at Durham, but nobody thought of babies. Everyone was thinking of battles. Yet, which of the battles of 1809 mattered more than the babies of 1809? (laughs) We fancy that God can only manage his world by big battalions, when all the while he is doing it by beautiful babies. When a wrong wants writing, or a work wants doing, or a truth wants preaching, or a continent wants opening, God sends a baby into the world to do it. That is why long, long ago, a babe was born at Bethlehem. Just a beautiful statement and a beautiful thought as it relates to the way that God interacts with the world, with especially in confronting the evils that are found in it. There is no doubt in my mind that Tim Ballard was born into the world to do what he was doing and is doing in changing the tide of the battle against the terrible things being done to children. But how he found this path is rather remarkable, and I believe it holds the keys to a lot of lessons for us in finding our own path. His story begins even before he knew it was beginning with a man by the name of Gesno Marty, uh, a U.S. citizen that was born in the USA, but who was living in Haiti with his family, a man who loved being a father more than anything to his children. Well, one Sunday during a church meeting, Gesno sent Gardy, his son, to find his mother. He then became distracted by another conversation with another member of his congregation. And as Gardy made his way through the congregation, he was diverted and ultimately ended up walking toward the patio of the church, which led to the parking lot. And it was there in the parking lot that a man grabbed Gardy, placed him on the back of a motorcycle, and sped off. That was the last time Gesno saw his son. Gardy was gone. In my opinion, this would have to be one of the hardest things any parent could ever possibly experience in life. I can't imagine anything more life-shattering than that. And anything more faith-shattering than that. To have that happen as a result of being at church and trying to serve God. Can you imagine the amount of pain and anger and really the crisis of faith that this must have been for him. For weeks, he continued to look for Gardy while continuing to be a father to more than 150 kids at his orphanage that he managed. It was at this time that an agent for the U.S. government, Tim Ballard, heard about his story and sought answers for what was being done to help this man. He wanted to know more about this man and his son, so he flew him to Utah and met with him over lunch. He asked him what was being done to help him find his son, to which Gesno asked back, If this agent had children, which he did, he then asked, could you possibly sleep at night knowing one of your children's beds was empty? Tim answered, no, it would be impossible. Gesno said he hadn't slept a night since his son was taken from him. 
He then told Tam through tears that every night he gets up and randomly picks some neighborhood in Port-au-Prince and walks the streets with a flashlight just hoping that somehow, someway, he will hear Gardy cry. It was in that moment of the expression of his pain and the connection that he made to how he would feel had this happened to his own children that Tim Ballard committed to himself and Gesno to do everything in his power to help find his son. And this was the beginning of OUR, Operation Underground Railroad, a U.S. team of agents and law enforcement personnel that would organize themselves with the intent of saving children from human trafficking. After their first sting operation in Haiti, 28 kids were saved and returned to their homes. And despite the hope Gesno had that his son would be among them, Gardy was not. And after yet another letdown from the news that his son wasn't among the rescued children, Gesno's lifted his head back up with a big smile on his face and asked, What about the 28 kids? Where are the 28 kids? He was told that they had them all, that they were all safe and were in good places. And then Tim recorded that Gesno said to him, Do you realize that you never would have come down here and rescued those 28 kids had it not been for my little guardy? To which Tim responded, You were right. Then listen to the faith and outlook of this simple man and father who then said, If I had to give up my son so that these 28 kids could be rescued, then that's a burden I'm willing to bear. Gesno's love and willingness to sacrifice his own son to bring about the freedom of others is an echo of another father that we all know very well, one that was willing to give up his only begotten son so that each of us could be rescued as well. Over 4,000 children have been rescued from trafficking since that time Guardy was taken, 4,000 lives saved, and countless others kept from being taken in the future with their abductors being captured. I came across an interview that Tim did with Dan Clark where he elaborates a little further on some of the personal reasons and experiences that kept him in pursuit of these children, in addition to trying to help find little Guardy over the years. He said in this interview that when he was working for the government in the early 2000s, that he was targeting the pedophiles who were in receipt of terrible videos which more accurately depicts what it is that they were receiving in these kids. He said he was so overcome by the fact that we get these bad guys, but we couldn't find the kid in the pictures and videos that they had been seeing. But finally, he said he had the opportunity to be part of a rescue operation of one of the kids from a video who he intercepted by a trafficker who was kidnapping children from Mexico and bringing them across the border. Seeing this child in person that he recognized from the images completely changed his paradigm and perspective of what he was doing and made it even more real for him. He said, I thought, that's it. This kid ran to my arms. She was crying. She's five years old. And he said, I will always remember the first words that she said to me that no five-year-old should ever have to say. She simply said, I don't belong here. (laughs) Can you imagine experiencing that, seeing that firsthand, understanding what this child had been through? After hearing those words, he thought, what is going on? How do I change my mission to finding these kids? And he said, that led me on a crazy adventure, pushing the limits of the government jurisdiction to try to go in and and infiltrate these trafficking rings throughout the world. And that led me to Colombia and Haiti. When I read this depiction of, of how a lot of this came to be, those words from that child, I shouldn't be here, have resonated in my heart and mind on a very deep and profound level. 
and it's inspired me to do more of whatever I can in my sphere of influence to help support kids, to help protect kids, to help fill them with hope and happiness and joy and the possibilities of life as every young kid should. Dan Clark said, there's one of the key questions I love to ask my audience, anyone who's in an influential position when we need someone like you, Tim, who has the full support of your wife as a power couple, how do you convert a passion to serve, a passion to find meaning into your life, into this greater purpose that inspires you to quit a secure job and focus on service before self? He said, what triggered you that allowed you to step up and take yourself to the next level and serve your fellow men and women? In answer to that question, Tim said that there had been two triggers. The one that he referenced earlier, where he rescued the the young girl from the video and had that experience where she ran to him. He said, my life changed right there forever. To think that there are that many kids, that any of us that have children or no children, students, nieces, and nephews, there's nothing sweeter than that innocence and to think that that is being abused. That was the first trigger for me and what changed my life. But then he said the second one happened in December of 2013 when I was having to make the decision. I was about to turn my in my gun and badge and go for this. And he said that first trigger should have been enough, but in my weakness I forgot for a moment. I thought, what am I doing? I have six children to take care of. Statistically speaking, I have about a 5% chance or less that this nonprofit is going to last more than a year. We're also privatizing the rescue of kids, which has never been done before. What makes me think that I can do this? He said he started to feel all the common what-ifs and doubts associated with doing something like this, but that it was the second trigger that really lit him up and got him to move forward, which he said, I had to go back to my wife again. And she said to me, you have two paths before you. You see this. There's one path of going off on your own to rescue kids and, and to build this nonprofit. And how does that look to you? I said, well, it looks scary and dark. I can't see anything. She said, well, what does the other path look like? He said, well, it's secure. I get to retire when I'm 50 with a pension and benefits until I die a federal employee. She said then this to me that changed my perspective, and it was probably the most important trigger. She said, imagine that you have a meeting with your maker someday. She reminded him that you are going to die one day, and when that time comes, that you are going to sit in front of your maker, and he's going to ask you what you did at this particular crossroads. When I did that, she said, look at those two paths. Now what do you see? All of a sudden, he said, the secure path looks scary as all get out. (laughs) I didn't know what I would lose or what blessings might not come to me because I chose not to pursue these innocent children who I knew we could rescue. The other path, though still, I could see looks warm and light. It was amazing what she did to me. She led me through this scenario. I encourage people, he said, to do that with whatever they're confronted with because all of a sudden you see the world as it is and not the fear that sometimes clouds our judgment. After that, there was no turning back. I turned in that badge and that gun and off we went. Sure enough, we were blessed and have grown and it has been one of the most powerful things that my wife taught me in December of 2013. Someone once said, and I'm sure you're familiar with this quote, that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Well, Tim looked down a path that didn't lead to much, but that certainly would have been comfortable and predictable, but he knew it wouldn't be a life that he wanted to report back on to God. So he took a chance. 
He took a few steps in the dark and trusted that the way would be open for him to make a difference for good in the world. And he certainly has. My hope is that this movie will be like adding gasoline to the fire to to shake more people like him out of the apathy that sometimes we all get caught up in and inspire them to take a similar path, one that might be a little more scary than the other and a little less predictable, but one that will also lead to doing much good in the world, especially when it comes to protecting the innocence and the freedom of the children in our world. The freedom to be a child, the freedom to play, the freedom to laugh, the freedom to explore and experience new and exciting things, the freedom to feel safe. This story and others like it have opened my eyes to an aspect of our society and civilization that I think we all need to see a little bit better. Really, when you look at the degradation of a society or a civilization or a culture of any kind, I believe that it can be best viewed by one thing, and that is how it treats how it protects, how it loves, and how it defends the innocent. Or in other words, how it treats, how it protects, how it loves, and how it defends its children. In fact, it seems to me that most major civilizations that have collapsed have had some element of child abuse or child violence or or even the sacrificing of children. And I believe that the greatest depths of evil always target the most innocent and pure in us and among us. And the the sad truth is that we're seeing a rise in violence and abuse against children in our own civilization and society and in our own world. And while we may not be seeing children sacrificed to idols, we see school shootings, we see child trafficking, we see an increase in child abuse. Christ always loved the little children and invited us to learn from them, to become like them, Because they represent the best that is in us and in our world and the best of what we can be. And he spoke strongly, powerfully against those that would become evil enough to do anything to hurt one of these little ones in any way. We may not be able to go on an undercover rescue mission to a third world country to to help rescue some of these children from trafficking. But there are children all around us that could use our help, our protection, our comfort. And our love. And we can certainly find ways to support causes and efforts like this that bring the same thing to children across the world. A short time ago, I had the opportunity to, to help some children and their mother out of a pretty violent and abusive situation, all of which I could tell was very overwhelming to a particular young girl who was having a hard time leaving her home. I know it wasn't much, but I made the point to go up to her and reassure her as best as I could that everything was going to be okay. I've had children, young and old, come up to me after doing assemblies expressing fear and pain, and I've done all that I could in those situations to comfort them as well. And I would invite you to follow the Savior's example in loving the children that are around you in your own life, and in living your life in such a way that they will be drawn to you because of your kindness, because of your compassion, and the ability that you have to help them feel safe. And that way you are doing your part in protecting the innocent and the very best that our society has to offer. I hope that you'll think of these kinds of things if and when you get a chance to watch this movie, The Sound of Freedom. I know that I will be, and I can't think of a better time to watch it, to celebrate it, and to reflect on it than now as we celebrate and reflect on the freedoms that we enjoy as a part of this great country. In fact, just as I was finishing putting this episode together, I saw Ricky Fowler win his first PGA golf tournament in over four years. And the very first thing that happened after him winning 
was his little daughter running into his arms, <laughs> Not who couldn't be anything more than probably just a little over a year old. And when he was interviewed and asked how he felt about this amazing win and the four years that it was in the making, you know what he said? He said, winning is great, but holding her, referencing the little daughter, his little daughter in his arms, he said, there's a lot more to life than that. <laughs> yeah, Ricky, you are absolutely right, and you are holding it. Thanks for reminding us, and thank you, Angel Studios and Tim Ballard, for reminding us that there is more to life as well. I hope tomorrow as we celebrate our freedom as a country that we remember who it was that died so that we could be free from the monsters of death and hell and how much he loved little children and that we too will fight to protect them from the monsters that are in our world and threatening them today. As Henry Ward Beecher once said, children are the hands by which we take hold of heaven. Freudor Doiskovici, Russian novelist and philosopher said, the soul is healed by being with children. And Herbert Hoover, the 31st president of the United States, said that children are our most valuable resource. I think God would tend to agree with that. So this week, as we take the opportunity to celebrate our freedoms, let's also take the opportunity to celebrate the sound of freedom, which certainly in part can be found in many things. The sound of patriotic music, the sound of, of people socializing together, that the sound of, of burgers and hot dogs cooking on the grill, that the sound of fireworks going off. But to me, as I stop and think about it, and all the ways in which the sound of freedom can be heard, I don't know if there's a better way to hear the sound of freedom than in the laughter of little children. Have a great week and a wonderful 4th of July, everyone. Until next time, I'm Josh Downs, and you've been listening to The Drive.